happy. You got to be happy. Come on and be happy. Sing a little song. Well, welcome to the Secret of Success podcast. And today we're coming from the Get Ahead Festival, which is a festival all about good mental health and well-being. And today I have got the fantastic guest, John Salmon. Hi, John. How are you doing? Hi, Sally. Nice <laughs> to be here. And can you describe what, where we are and what we're sitting in? Okay, so we, as Sally was saying, we're in the, uh, the Get Ahead Festival here in London Bridge. And what you may be able to hear is we are under a bridge and there's the rumbling of a train going over our heads at the moment. And we're in a, I guess, it's been called the green room that yeah. we're in. I think maybe they are green walls. Maybe. Um, it's kind of like, it feels a bit like a nightclub. It's got nice velvet seats, but we're sitting on a very kind of strange sofa situation and we're just here so uh, be prepared for people walking in chat trains aircon everything we're gonna you're gonna hear it all today so that just adds to it really so John I think I met you maybe three years ago is it or four years ago I don't know and we were on a panel discussing what were we discussing I don't even remember what we were discussing well yeah we were just trying to work out whether yeah, yeah. it was on a panel that we first met or yeah we were on different panels but um, it, I just yeah. can't remember so the first time anyway it's yes yeah yeah it was definitely at Get Ahead anyway I yeah think it was at Get Ahead we can say definitely we met there and um yeah, so we're both here today. I'm speaking on a panel, and John has just, in fact, spoken on a panel. John, what were you speaking on? Yeah, so the last, um, yeah, for the last three years that Get Ahead have had a, had a festival, I've been doing a panel called um, Men Talk, and so pulling together like really interesting voices talking about men's mental health. So, yeah, it was just so lovely to be on a stage today with an amazing panel that we had, including um, Dr. Rada, who's a NHS GP, but also a broadcaster. We had a rapper and songwriter, Hyphen. Um, we had Nav Kapoor, who's a professor for Manchester University, and Harry Corrin, um, who's a mental health campaigner. And we were able just to have a, an amazing conversation, um, you know, about the last 18 months, about how the impact of the pandemic on on mental health specifically we talked about men's mental health and the still the challenges that men have in in opening up and opening and um yeah t talking about their their feelings and um yeah i i i think i'm always i feel very very honored that over the last few years at the get ahead festival i've people I've asked people to be on this panel and they've said yes and some of these people that over the years have been on the panel have been like real heroes and role models to me and um, Dr Rada was somebody I, I, I spoke about three or four years ago on the first um, mentor panel um, because she had a series on CBBS um, which was aimed um, all about kind of feelings and emotions for for young people and um, so there was something lovely about the, the last kind of 15 months that we've all been going through. Um, but then, you know, I would have never thought three or four years ago that somebody I happened to have talked about in a talk was then going to be on a panel. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's been a lovely 
lovely day being here at the festival. Yeah, and are there any things that you'd like to share about specifically that you think people listening to the podcast could really benefit to hear? Were there any insights? Because I think it is really difficult for men. Women, we can we have easily have friendships and we share stuff. I, I don't think it's so easy for men. Yeah, I think there was a lot, lot to take away from, from the talk. Um, I found it very interesting what um, Nav said with some research that he had been doing um, into men and that they have been... Um, sometimes kind of it's, it's talked about that when somebody has taken their life, sometimes it's been said that actually they weren't known to certain services. But some of his research that he had done actually and his team that actually that they that men had gone to the doctor they had been um at least maybe had been prescribed medication but actually what the research was coming out was the the types of help and support just what the it was there just wasn't the right types mm. of help and support that men needed yeah. so he, he was kind of saying Nav, Nav was saying that men are trying to get help but actually mm there isn't the right kind of help yeah. for some sort of, some 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 men that are yeah are struggling yeah I, I mean it's not an area i'll be honest that i know a lot about in terms of service provision what what do you think men need and what do men want in terms of support what does it look like do you think from your experience so i think just you know it's just the same for women in a way that you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all mm. approach. Um, and again, it, it, it's, it's trying to create the right time, times and spaces for people to be able to, to talk and or to feel that they can get, get help because I think, you know, it's not a gender-specific um, issue specifically, but men do find it harder to open up about their feelings. Um, but what was lovely about the talk was, I guess, the people on the panel, everybody that was saying when they did open up and reached out for help, that it was very, it was a very warm, res like response back. And I think that's the message that men need to hear: that actually, by opening up um, and saying you're struggling, um, you'll be very surprised by by the response that that yeah. will will come back. And do you think it's changed over lockdown? Do you think we've gone through this global pandemic, everything has changed? Do you think there's more space for, and for men to actually say, yes, I am struggling? Do you, or do you think the opposite's happened? I, I guess what I'm saying is, what do you think is going to be the legacy of this past 18 months with regards to mental health and support for men? Yeah. The, the bubble I'm in um, and the work I do in mental health, there's some really positive things that are happening. So certain men's groups that have grown, um, that there's more and more support out there for men, I think, than there has ever been. And But I'm also aware that some of the men's groups throughout there, they appeal to a particular type of man. And... Um, and some some of my friends I know who maybe you know I, I think about some of the people that I haven't seen over the last fifteen months, but you know that 
don't like really going out in big groups or, you know, they're more comfortable in their own company. And I guess the challenge has been for those friends I know that may be living on their own or, you know, we haven't had the opportunity to go out for gigs together or, you know, that... I, I do think for certain groups of men are still feeling incredibly isolated yeah. and as things kind of open up, that that's a good thing because hopefully that will encourage or force, maybe yeah. if you're being told by your employer you have to go back into work. Um, but I still think, yeah, we're definitely not by any means through this as um, I think we're all going to feel the, the impact of the last um, 15 months or so for a lot longer. Personally speaking, I've, I've made more connections with people than I have ever imagined during the pandemic because of Zoom, because of the, the opportunity to, yeah, it was just been far easier to actually arrange to meet up and, and talk to people over, over a video call. Mm. And actually, thinking about it, we have, we have a mutual friend, that, um, Chris, and I introduced uh, John to Chris and Chris is in, is he in Missouri? I don't even know, he's in America somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, somewhere in America. Sorry, American f- listeners, from my lack of knowledge. But, um, and you facilitated, um, or not facilitate. you were a guest speaker, weren't you, on his group, which is awesome. Yeah, and so to be, yeah, to be, to be connected to people around the world, um, then, you know, Chris, who's the keyboard player in Electric Six, um, and I was... I'm also involved in a project called What's Going On In Your Head and we explore different things going on in the head through through performance. And before lockdown, we used to put on a night um, four times a year at the H Club in Covent Garden in London. And we'd pick a theme and find, you know, amazing people with poets, musicians, comedians, but they all had a lived experience of, of sometimes quite tricky and challenging conversations to talk about whether that's with depression anxiety eating disorders but we were able to put the artist or the you know the person's talent was center stage and their kind of lived experience was interesting but but not not the main reason for why you were listening or um to that person's performance and chris when we obviously couldn't do the physical events was part of our online what's going on in your head yeah i got that totally wrong chris was a guest on your show wasn't he not the other way around yeah yeah and hello chris if you're listening he's in this amazing band called electric six who are incredible they're like punk full of energy and they had two major hits didn't they was it game bar and Yep, and Danger High Voltage. Oh, and so, I just so love that music. <laughs> it's so awesome. And so, yeah, like, that would have never happened. That connection mm. would have never happened. Um, and then, yeah, Chris then wanting to and saying, agreeing yes to be part of our, our online show. And I was t- talking to him recently, and he's now, really, plan- nice. he's now planning his tour... And actually, they're going to be hopefully, oh, wow. hopefully no, no secrets uh, disclosed yeah, no, no. here. That, um, they're coming to the they're UK. Coming to the UK. And just that, will, I just can't wait. Can't I'll wait. be right. At, I'll be like right at the front of yeah. that, that crowd. Pogoing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I said to him, if you ever come to the UK, I cannot wait. And it's really funny because I've loved his music and mm. how amazing 
you know, through these connections that you're absolutely right, we've kind of created this network of amazing people just through Zoom. Mm. And um, Chris is actually part of a music group, a coffee afternoon that was hosted by Joanne Croxford and she's now part of your speakers collective and for me that was a real lifesaver it was like a peer group support through lockdown and I was just getting over Covid and I just so appreciated you know how they were and uh, I learned so much from them so yeah you're, you're absolutely right there are good things to come out of all of this and yeah I too look forward to Pogging around to Electric Six. <laughs> when are they coming? Do you know when they're coming? Not sure. No, I think right. I think it's supposed to be this year. But oh, really? We were we were talking earlier about things just keep on getting yeah, yeah, delayed yeah, and yeah, shifted yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so whenever. <laughs> my diary's pretty empty. Anyway. Yeah, I know. Let me have a look at all my live <laughs> events. Oh, <laughs> hang on. So yeah, well, Chris, we're sending love to you from the UK, and we look forward to you coming to tour whenever it's going to be, if it's this year or next year or whenever. So I'm going to pull us back onto the theme of the podcast, which is Secrets of Success. And I'm actually going to take you back to your childhood. And I'm going to ask if there's anything now that you would say to your younger self, um, any sort of words of reassurance or hope or anything or advice or, you know, looking back from this position of strength that you're in now and all that you know and all that you've been through what do you think you would say sounds quite straightforward in a way of like probably be kind to yourself Mm. um that yeah i guess when you're when you're a child or when you're younger you're you know you're living each day and you know, my childhood, to a certain age, was was fine. You know, it was, um, as a you know a, a nice upbringing in Hertfordshire, um, with two older brothers. Um, academically, I was okay-ish, but I'd always looked up to my brothers as them being smarter than me. And yeah, I guess being the youngest, I, yeah, I think there's probably a part of me that that was happy to be a bit quieter and I guess um I I guess I would I would probably say to my younger self to be less frightened to to speak out or to talk more um I love listening and I find it very strange now that I'm like doing panels and talks and being on stage because actually where I have historically preferred to be is behind the camera or in the audience and but I wonder if I'd I don't know just given myself told give myself that kind of push a bit more mm. to to worry less mm. um and not to overthink things yeah. um so I think that's that's definitely probably yeah. in my early years kind of held me back a bit no, that, that's that's very interesting and it, it is very interesting what you're doing now and I suddenly realized I haven't introduced you at all and because we're here I haven't got your bio in front of me so do you want to just let the listeners know what you actually do because I um John's also worked at Glastonbury so do you want to just share a bit of the feel of the to- sort of projects you're doing and mm-hmm. your mental health work yep so yep my career I guess kind of kicked off at the end of like 
the, the late 90s anyway. So as the internet was just starting and we had the excitement of the kind of dot-com boom and um, my career, I guess, has, has my, you know, as I've grown up, I've grown up through the, the internet getting faster and found myself in some brilliant opportunities where doing the, the first ever kind of live streams from Reading Festival and... Um, wireless and different music events before before iPlayer and before really anybody was really streaming we were kind of trying to figure it out um, from a porter cabin with I've what... seen the evidence, I've seen the pictures <laughs> it's wild and, um, and <coughs> the so, wild west of the internet yeah I've been lucky I guess throughout my career to I guess as the, the internet and things around us have changed I found myself in these periods of change from narrow band to broadband from like streaming, dialogue, <laughs> all the beeps and yeah, <laughs> and um, but what did happen quite early on in my career, just at the turn of the millennium, was that I ended up getting very, very ill with my mental health, and um, yeah, it caused me to be off work for the best part of a year, and I was lucky in the end to to get the right kind of help that that helped me but it was that kind of the stigma that existed um around mental illness um in the early 2000s that mm. meant that I never told anybody that I'd had these problems so if we had if you knew me obviously before um you would be aware of what had happened but I I lived a life of of hiding that from anybody else I went on to meet because I felt such shame that I'd been, yeah, sectioned and I'd, I'd been in hospital, um, yeah, because of that stigma that, that existed. Yeah, and it feels like we live in different days, but actually it is only a few years ago now. Yeah. Um, and sort of what's helped you in to come to this place of strength and in many ways I would call that success you know you've done amazing things you've worked with Prince William and the um, Duchess of Cambridge Catherine um, so kind of what was a turnaround because that's a whole thing to go from being section to do all this amazing work that you do what what was the stimulus or what was the, the process or the... yeah I think for for somebody who's had a mental illness or, or dealing with mental health problems. Um, for me, the strength that I got from... For me, the strength that I got from getting better, I guess, gave me that... that in the bigger scheme of things, that it's like you're trying to push yourself kind of career-wise or do things for the first time. I think where you've been so ill and you've got through it, it puts things in, into perspective, you know. So um, it means that you, you know, you've got through it, right? So, and, and you should celebrate that. And um, I think that's some of the learnings that I had from being so ill has actually made me um, quite a good manager of people and kind of aware of how to get the best out of people that I work with or collaborate with, but also being very mindful of, of people's well-being, that they're not, yeah, burning out. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, no I, I think that's great. I was, I was going to ask you specifically 
what characteristics you think that you can identify that give you that compassion on other people? Is it an intuition? Is it that you see it? You know, what, you know, I'm just trying to understand to encourage people with skills that they need to become good managers. You know, what characteristics do you have in within you that yeah. facilitates that? I've, yeah, I, I think if you were to read a leadership book, I, I'm not sure if I would ever fit in with the, the traditional characteristics because I do like to listen. Um, I do, yeah, I'm not the one necessarily at the front kind of leading the way. Um, but I think it's those softer skills um, of empathy and being able to relate to hopefully different experiences that I've had in my life, definitely now that I'm older, that I've had those different experiences that people that are younger than me or going through it, that I've had some of those experiences too that I think can can actually um, help. And I'm also dyslexic. And, and as I learn more about dyslexia is the, the way the kind of the brain works and the way I kind of process information is actually... And the really positive thing about it, I find, is the kind of the wanting to join the dots, wanting to find the connections, um, thinking slightly differently to other people. And now, again, a bit like with my, my, the mental illness that I, that I had, that actually that's a real strength. Um, and as society changes and the types of skills that we need within the workforce, that actually that having dyslexia for certain things is actually a real real strength. Yeah, I totally hear that. I'm dyslexic myself and I think in colour and I thought everyone thought in colour. No, people don't think in colour. People don't think like I think. So I'm like, yay, neurodiversity, why not? You know, yeah. you bring extra skills. And so in, in teams now I love people that have differences because they will see things differently than I see and that can only add to the big picture so yeah mm. absolutely that's really interesting I didn't I didn't know that about you so um, no, no I didn't know that yeah, about yeah, you <laughs> yeah no, that's, that's great but I can't actually remember what the next question is because I'm okay. so fascinated by what you're saying um, and I still didn't give myself a proper introduction do you, do you want to say some more no no I think it's fine no, I, do, yeah, I, yeah. I kind of went down a different yeah no it's, um, it's good no, I really liked good. what you said um, really I'm really loving this chat um, reflection on the past advice we done we haven't done hard times and survival responses can you advise listeners we kind of sort of did it at the, we've done it all in the wrong order but that's okay <laughs> um i'm going to start i'm just going to crack actually to effective people have effective habits what yeah. habits do you have yeah yeah okay so john in my um series of doing this podcast one of the things i realize is those people that are most successful they can often identify and have put into practice habits that they do every day that help them with their mental health, help them with their organisation. So looking at your life, what habits do you have in place that make you effective? And have you got any habits that you'd like to share or you know, anything that works for you that could encourage um, our audience? Yeah, so the, the there's a couple of things. Um, the one that I do every day is that um, I go and buy a coffee and I use that time while I buy the coffee to check in with how I'm feeling. And it's, it's a two, three minute thing, depending on how long the queue is, I guess. And um, 
you know, those simple check-ins to me is like, how well did I sleep last night? Um, what's stressing me out? What's at the forefront of my mind that's on my mind? And just being aware of, yeah, how my body, well, how I'm feeling and checking in with myself. Because when I got very ill, that was a complete surprise to me. That it wasn't, you know, for me anyway, personally, I went from being very well and very functioning, working really hard, all the hours going out, partying, to being in hospital. It was almost like overnight. And I guess what what I realized I wasn't doing at the time when I got very, very ill was I was not checking in with myself. And it sounds so simple, but I think we can be so busy sometimes with thinking about others, other, other demands of that people are putting on yourself, but the, the, the last thing you're ever doing is actually checking in on how you are. Can I ask you a question about that? Because um, when you mean checking in, is it just like a mental process you go through? Do you find you have to write it down? Because I've heard people saying different things, you know, how, how exactly do you do it? for you how does it work yep for me no writing no no it's just purely just thoughts within my head so you're just going just mentally just going going through it and it's kind of yeah and then based on yeah how I'm feeling Mm. if I can and and again the last yeah last last year or so has been slightly different right but generally speaking that I can then try and modify my day okay so if I realize that okay, I, I, I didn't sleep particularly well last night or I'm feeling um, more anxious, well, what, what can I do? And, you know, can I go for a run? Um, yeah, well, listen to some music or, you know, so, so, but it's, yeah, I don't have a, I'm not writing it, I don't no, have an app no, no, where I'm, I'm logging it. I'm just it. interested because there are apps yeah. and stuff that, where you can log it. So do you always, so say you, you wake up and you just are in a bad mood and you don't know why, for example... And you go and you log it and you go, okay, I should do something about it. Do you always do something? Do you always listen to yourself? And if you don't listen to yourself, kind of what happens? Yeah. So, yeah, there there are, of course, times where things, that doesn't work, right? Mm. The, 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 The beginning of the pandemic was so scary for me. I found it incredibly scary. Um, even before things were locking down, I was kind of freaking out where everybody else seemed to be like, oh, it's going to be OK. I, I definitely felt that I was a few months further along the journey than maybe my, my wife was at the time or other people around me. And I've learnt that when things do get really, really bad, the, the safest place for me to go to is bed. And actually, that's kind of, I know that, you know, when things are really, really bad, like what's... If you go to bed, like, what's the worst that could happen? You can just, you'll sit in bed, don't go to sleep. Yeah. You can watch some Netflix, mm. whatever. But that, 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 that learning, I guess, know that I know these feelings will pass. And um, getting, yeah, trying to take yourself out of that, that, that's, that, away from that situation that's causing that stress. Mm. I think that's brilliant that you actually know actually that you can recognise it in yourself and you can actually do something about it Mm. and I think that's really encouraging but it's you know sometimes those actions feel quite selfish you know so you deciding right I can't cope with it today I'm going to bed 
you know, if you've got a family, if you've got kids. Now, I'm, you know, in the last year and a half, two years, that's only maybe happened once or twice, right? But I think people should know that that importance of putting yourself first. Um, because if I didn't, if I hadn't have done that, but then who knows how that could have got worse and then, yeah, maybe you're back in hospital. It's, it's quite yeah. an extreme, but I've realised how important it is to, to look after yourself first. Absolutely. I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, that's really personal stuff you've shared and I, I think it's, it's super valuable and I really hope if anyone's listening to this um, and you are struggling right now, you know, um, I, I would encourage you to just to even go to bed, but also too, I'm going to put some notes in the bottom of this podcast if people are struggling that where they can find immediate help because there is immediate help, isn't there? Yeah, there's there is so much help that is that that is out there, but mm. it's also just trying to make it accessible. Absolutely. So there's a really good um, app called the Hub of Hope. So it's a website and it's also an app, and it's the UK's biggest directory of free and paid for services um, for mental health. There's also within the app as well. There's links to Shout, which is a crisis tech support line, as well as the Samaritans. So, yep. If just having that in your pocket, whether that's to, because you just tap in your postcode, any postcode, or use the location on your phone, and it will list all the different services that are available to you. Yeah. And it's an amazing, yeah, amazing resource. And yeah, just it's, to me, it's like the yellow pages, if people still remember yeah. what the yellow pages is. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of places to actually get help now, mm. but it's also um, so many people are, you know, just even on the talk today, people in the in the audience or afterwards that come up still saying, well, I don't know where to get yeah. to find yeah. it. Uh, yeah, like I say, I'll put all, I didn't I, see. I hadn't heard of that, the Hub of Hope. Um, so that sounds amazing. Yeah. So I will put all of those all of those links in the show notes. So. There is always someone out there and you are not alone and there's always someone to talk to. Um, and it's important that if you're feeling like you want to talk to someone, then do talk to someone. Advice for the next generation. And I've put this in the context of work because I've got a lot of students listening mm-hmm. to this. We were talking a bit earlier about successful team management. And one of the questions I really like to ask my guests is if you've got a team and you're managing a team and someone wants to come and work for you and your team what kind of characteristics are you looking for to make an effective team member you know it could be anything I don't know say like you're working at Glastonbury you were working with EE I remember that you know and you're looking for people to come on the team what kind of qualities are you looking for so first I just love talking to people and getting to know them and like job descriptions are quite frustrating things sometimes because you're trying to fit a human being into a certain type of box and I think running an agency is actually brilliant because um, I will meet different people who've got a lot of different skills um, whether it's building websites or making amazing films and documentaries and it's, it's trying to understand the person best for the skills that they, the things that they love doing. 
and then it's just sometimes a strange kind of thing then opportunities sometimes just arise and I think oh that could be a brilliant project for Alec and I to work on or for Laura and I or and so for me I think it's when trying to find the kind of build teams and the right kind of people it's it's knowing that we everybody can bring something to a project and I felt personally sometimes that I'm not great with maths, right? But but thank goodness there's computers and calculators and things that make that really a lot easier for me. Um, and I think sometimes when we're trying to recruit for certain certain roles, we're trying to like make this unrealistic. We've almost set the kind of the job has got too much in it for any one individual to succeed in. And so I try to like to simplify. Um, the kind of what it is we're trying to do um, and, and making sure that, that the, the people that I work with uh, enjoy doing that those, mm. uh, those types of that, that type of work um, yeah so I don't know yeah, if that no, kind no, of answers that, that sort of well. answers I'm going to push okay. you a bit harder so say mm. um, I work with lots of master's students from Tileyard and a lot of them right now are finishing their master's courses mm. and they're trying to find jobs and they would love to come and work at, say, an agency like yours. Um, what are you looking for, say, in someone that's just starting out their career? Are there any sort of characteristics um, as such? So, you know, I'm, that's a brilliant, it's a brilliant question. And um, I'm uh, It's just that people will be listening and now going, um, well, how can I make myself attractive to an employer? I've got this fantastic qualification now but I don't know how to connect. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's trying to find your passion. I think if you've got the, the subject or the, the area in which you want to find your career, if you've got your passion for that, that will shine through whoever you talk to, whether they have a job to offer you or not. If, if you show the passion mm. for what you want to do, even if you don't have a lot of experience in that job, that, that, that's what usually shines through. Um, that that that's what gets me excited, and I really, you know, the music work that I've done over the years um, was some of the most rewarding work. Has been the showcase nights that we put on with up and coming talent, where actually it's been their first ever performance that they've played in a gig um, in um, a bar academy, and then to see them a year go on to be performing at Reading or Glastonbury Festival and I think it's you know just with those artists just with, with other people that work for it what kind of shone through was their, their excitement their, 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 their joy of wanting to do that thing um, so I think yeah it's obviously getting a job at the moment for anybody is, is, mm. is really really tough um, but yeah, those are the kind of the qualities. Yeah, I think that's answered it really well. Um, and yeah, I, I really like what you said there. And one of the things, um, as I've been doing this podcast, the thing that's emerged, the podcast could be called The Secrets of Success, or it could also be called How to Fail Repeatedly and How to Fail Hard. Where, what do you think about failure, uh, which is the other side of success, the other side of the coin? Mm. Where does it fit in? your work and what you do when you know you do fail or you will fail how do you manage that in your life and yeah so with with failure 
you know, personally... It's a horrible word, yeah, I don't like yeah. it, really. And, um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not a word I generally try to, to yeah. use that often, but... Um, well, I guess when things don't go right, let's mm, take out the F word. Yeah, um, and right, things won't go right. Things won't mm. go... Um, won't always go your way, or even, you know, you make mistakes right along. But I think it, it's life, and you you do learn from those mistakes. And um, some, you know, the, you know, that failure, sometimes you can hold on to it for too long. And I wish, yeah, the younger me had talked more openly about the things that I've really thought were, were failures. But probably if I talked to somebody about it, they would be quite, probably they would at least challenge me whether that was a failure or not. So the, I think my biggest failure has been not talking um, more about how I'm feeling and um, when, when, I, when something's tricky, right? When I, because it's the same, you know, being dyslexic, I've had over the years loads of different coping mechanisms and like kind of tricks to kind of, to, to do certain things. Um, but it actually would have probably been far easier for me to actually have told somebody, oh, you know what, this thing yeah, is actually yeah. really tricky. But, but I know that because it is harder sometimes, I've, I find on certain things, it, it gives me that determination, I guess, to, to still push through and, and, and do it. So... Do you think you're kind to yourself when you don't meet your own expectations or do you think you're hard on yourself or do you think that's changed over the years? Um, still really hard, I think, because you, you, there's, there's a lot that I'm very like, proud of, of what I've achieved, but uh, I forget all of that. And the moment you've, you know, you've had that so-called success mm. and something's gone right... You, you can still, your mindset can sometimes be, you can kind of, don't, don't enjoy those successes and you move on to the next thing. Yeah. And you can kind of focus on the, the areas that, that, yeah, probably aren't that important, but can, you know, o- overtake your mind with your, your, your mm. thinking of, of, of worry or concern. Mm. That's very insightful. It's something I've thought about quite a lot and... And also, too, I thought about it for artists who experience extreme fame, mm. which is a temporary, illusionary feeling and experience. And it's, it's, um, it was actually Rianne Jones and Lucy Heyman who summed up the title of Sustainable Success in their book, Sound Advice. And I love that. that. That is their phrase. And it's like, you know, after we've had that hilltop experience we come down into back into the valleys but how do we sustain that success in our lives and um i feel like for me i'm still exploring that whole thing yeah i i would say from all the people that i've spoken to so far i would say resilience is a good thing that you have your success but then it's like put it to one side exactly as you you, you describe onto the next thing mm. yeah yeah but you know i i kind of there's yeah resilience is there and for me, it is being quite determined. And yeah. so I think that's definitely one of my characteristics, that I will stick with something. Maybe sometimes I'll stick for it too long. Um, but there is, 
a part of my character that will be will try mm. you know we'll make this happen or I'll try and get this done I actually think that's admirable really because actually to me that says loyalty as well as resilience and I don't know if they're valued in our society so much anymore um, to be mm. that loyal person and to be resilient so so I really really like that I think the last place we're going to finish is um, yeah what advice have you got for the next generation coming up you know I, I look at members of my family you know that are teenagers and they've done their A-levels now and they've been on lockdown for 18 months what advice in terms of success and having this sustainable success have you got for the next generation so the reason I talk about mental health um, is because I've got two young young children and when I don't want them to be in a situation where when they're slightly older that they they don't feel that they can open up and get the the right kind of help and I think for 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 this current generation that has just finished their um, exams and you know whether they've actually sat the exams or these are peer or teacher assessed kind of grades it's still a very difficult time for for people to kind of adapt and come you know figure out what's what's going on in as far as their next part of their career so the if you just remind me are you looking for kind of tips or uh, no i'm just i guess i'm looking for sentiment you know it's like what vision can you give for the youth for the next <laughs> generation you know like what hope is there because it it feels quite difficult at the moment and i've had a, i've read a lot of reports on the mental health of the next generation that a lot of them are going to struggle you know they haven't they haven't had those end of year proms and parties they haven't gone out they haven't been together they've been isolated sometimes literally isolated from covid mm. um and that doesn't make for great mental health you know and uh, so it's kind of i'm asking where's the hope you know yeah well the, the hope is that the that things will get better um the hope is that out of out of the pandemic will become some lasting change that should have been should have happened decades ago mm. so the the things i was doing in the early 2000s with the internet actually all of those ideas are still the same today it's just we didn't have the the, the bandwidth we didn't have the connections we didn't have the connectivity to to actually do what we wanted to do 20 years ago we now have that and i think what is you know you know that flexibility now that the the fact that as somebody that's coming into the workforce historically you had to, I had to move to London to get yeah. a job um, I had to you know pay extortionate rent in the first property you know as but the hope is that out of the pandemic will come real change that will actually give people more opportunity to work not specifically in a specific yeah. city or even a country, right? Yeah. And I think that's the real hope that now we're really going to embrace technology yeah. to create new interesting jobs um, 
and you know as long as we can actually get outside and meet up and go to gigs and, 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 and enjoy our space and we're not always tied to our devices I think we've got to get that kind yeah. of balance right yeah no I totally concur and um, a few weeks ago I was sitting in my office and I was thinking wow this is actually amazing we have been through a revolution and we don't even really appreciate what a re revolution it's been because the pandemic has forced us to communicate digitally you know all through the generations from the little kids to the grandmas and grandpas everyone has had to do that whether it's work family or whatever and it it has freed us up yep. and so it can only be good going forward where we won't have to necessarily work in urban places we can live by the sea or in the mountains and be in fresh air and yep. have much better working and living conditions which i think originally was the great big hope yeah and like being being dyslexic yeah so when i was at school it was all about exams and um actually only really started to shine once i went to college and it was more kind of coursework and kind of collaborated um kind of learning and actually i, I think if we can get to a stage where it, for people in education where it isn't all about exams and all the pressure that goes on to just performing on one particular day writing for two or three hours um, that's another hope that, that also education will yeah. also change and um, won't be this one-size-fits-all um, kind of approach. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good place to finish. John, you've been amazing. I really appreciate your honesty and for sharing some really personal stuff. Um, I wasn't at your talk. I wish I had been because it sounded amazing. But um, thank you. And, and thank you for friendship. And I wish you luck in your next project. And... Um, I will share all of John's links in the show notes, but do follow John because he's doing some amazing things and he is a wonderful mental health advocate. And yeah, follow him and support him. Thank you, John. Thank you, Sally.